felt the need to do it. I'm going to uh, maybe bore you a little bit and tell you about uh, my miracle. Um, I think the day before voting day uh, was will be the day that I had my heart attack. That'll be two years ago. Uh, I want to express to you how much your prayers mean and how much God loves each and every one of us. I mean, through that whole situation, God's hand was on me from the very start. From that very morning, I wasn't feeling good. I could have stayed home. Uh, we, went to, we were going to do some errands that morning. We don't do errands on Saturday morning. Anyhow, I wasn't feeling good. Jay said, well, stay home. Where are you going along? I told her I'd go along. If I had been home by myself that morning, by myself, my heart attack would have took me. Anyway, we go to do our errands. We're in the store, pushing a cart around. I'm still not feeling good. I tell Jenny, I gotta go out to the car. So I'm sitting in the car. She finishes, comes out, puts groceries in her car. We go down to the gas station, I get gas. I get out of the car, pump the gas, walk in, walk back out, get back in the car, and we're driving to Walmart. And a block away from the hospital, I tell Jenny, man, there's something wrong. I said, you think I ought to go in the hospital? And she says, well, you know how bad you feel. Anyhow, at that point, we were at, at the street to turn into the hospital. I turned in, pulled in the parking lot, feeling pretty bad. I said, Jenny, do you really think? She said, if you think you need to go, go. We walked in the front door. COVID was in effect. Jenny couldn't come in. I talked to the register, told them I was having a heart attack. They come out, got me, took me back, set me on the examining table, started working on me, pulled my pants down. I kept telling, right then I knew I'm, I, got, I had a heart attack. I couldn't breathe. I kept telling them they are going to lose me. They kept saying, no. We're not going to lose you. I said, yes, you are. I stood up. They said, you need to sit down. And that's the next thing. That's the only thing I remember, last thing I remember for two weeks. I would say that I had my heart attack before Jenny had even left the parking lot. But God's hands on. Anyhow, they kept working on me. Finally got to the point where I needed to be put in the hospital. There was no rooms at Lewistown Hospital. They called for a helicopter. They were going to take me to Geisinger. They got a hold of Jenny Sunday. He's having a heart attack. 
we need to take him to Geisinger. She told no. He called her to tell her that I need to go. She told them that I need to go to Hershey. That's where my doctor was, or is. Now, I don't remember any of this. Anyway, long story short, they go in, get me to Hershey. They call my doctor in. He comes in specially for me. Does a catheterization, fix up a couple of arteries. He does it over a machine called an impeller. Basically what it is is something that assists your heart to keep pumping. They stick it in your heart. So anyhow, they bring me back out, send me to my room. I still don't know anything. I don't know anything that's going on. They tell me that during the process of transporting me in around the hospital stuff, I kept raising my hands. And they thought that I was praising God. And I probably was. I don't know. So anyhow, this impella that they stuck in me to keep assisting my heart, they can't leave it in there. They have to bring it out. So they arrange another surgery for me. The doctors go in. They take the impella out. Send me back to my room. My heart goes into arrhythmia. They worked on me, shocked me nine times to bring me back. I understand three or four is what the usual procedure is. They shocked me nine times, brought me back. Anyhow, they called Jenny, told her how bad I was, said they don't think I'm going to make it. And they want to know if they want Jenny to do anything else to me. Their advice to her was to let me go. I'm still unconscious. Anyhow, they're talking to Jenny tell her what's going on, how the clear blue sky, now I only know this from what they tell me, I gained consciousness. Put me on the phone with Jenny. She said, Fred, do you know what, you, what they want to do? Yeah. What, what do you want them to do? They tell Jenny, that my only chance of surviving was putting the impeller back in. They told her I had a 5% chance of surviving that operation. And even if I did, I probably wouldn't live longer than 12 days. Jenny knows this. I don't know it. She asked me what I wanted to do. 
I told him, do the operation. And then I went back out, from what I understand. They did the operation. I come through the operation. And they kept watching me and watching me. So finally I come to after basically about two weeks. Anyhow, they kept watching because they just felt sure that I was going to die. Well, I didn't die. Um, God heard your prayers. Jenny called people. Prayers are going everywhere. There's prayers from here, the county, state, the country, and of all places, even the world. There was people actually praying for me in other countries. We, through the connections that we have. Uh, they kept me hooked up to this machine for two weeks, but they had to take it out. Uh, I was awake then. Uh, I had come to. I knew they were going to do it. I didn't know how serious it was. I've had no pain through this whole ordeal. No memory of all the things that I've been through. All I know is I got something stuck in me and that I had a heart attack and they take this thing out of me. So they say, uh, well, we're going to do it. Uh, we don't know how it's going to turn out. They called Jay in, called my kids in, explained the situation to them. So we got to take it out. Uh, we don't know if he'll make it or not, but it's uh, time to tell tell. They went in, took it out, absolutely no problems. Got me back to the room. Hours later, I come to, felt absolutely fine. Had a bunch of stuff hooked up to me. Uh, couldn't couldn't move hardly in bed at all because. I had tubes and wires and stuff all over me. Couldn't hardly roll any in bed. Anyhow, I spent the biggest part of five weeks that way. Finally, they started taking some of this stuff off of me. And uh, they got me ready. They took come to me and said, well, We've done everything we could do for you for your heart. So we can't fix your kidneys. But uh, we think it's time for you to go home. This is five and a half weeks after my heart attack. Uh, we want to send you to a uh, rehab center. As soon as we find one that's open for you, that's what we're going to do. I said, I'd really rather not. I mean, COVID is so bad, and these rehab centers are like COVID pits. And people were dying and then left and right. I told them, I don't really want to go home or go to one of these pits. Just send me home. No, we think you better 
Long story short, this goes on for about four days. They keep coming around saying, well, we haven't found a place for you yet. We can't find an open bed. I saw I know where there's an open bed. My house. They said, nah, you can't go there. But this time, they have gotten me up on my feet. They had me doing exercises in bed and that kind of stuff. And I thought, well, I'm going to show them. <laughs> you know, I'm doing these exercises. I can lift my legs and all that kind of stuff. When they tell me I'm ready to get out of here, I'm going to walk out of here. I'm going to surprise them all. They always start chuckle. Well, the joke was on me. The day they stood me up, I couldn't move my feet. I was like after a couple of days. And they kept working at me. It was a couple of steps, and a couple of steps, and a couple more steps. Then it was a walker. Then I could walk 15 feet to the door of my room and back. Then I could walk out to the nurse's station and back. And there was a circle there. I could walk about a third of that circle. And then I could walk the whole circle. Then I could walk it twice. Anyhow, they're still telling me I need to go to rehab. Uh, my doctor came in. We kidded about it again. I kept telling him, I knew where I was an open bed. He said, you're not ready yet. I said, I think I am. Uh, next thing I know, therapist nurse shows up. She brings a, brings a brand new pair of those stockings they stick on your feet while you're in the hospital. She says, uh, these are getting pretty dirty. How about putting these on? I thought, this is a test. They want to know how good I am. So they, uh, she goes in the back room. She says, I got to go back here and do something. I noticed she was standing back there watching. Anyhow, I whipped those things on like they were nothing like it. And she came back and said, oh, I see you got your socks on. I said, yeah, I didn't have any trouble. She said, okay, so I'll, I'll be back. It wasn't more than about 15 minutes. The physical therapist came in, the woman who was teaching me how to walk again. She said, um, I want to take you out here in the hall and walk you around see how well you can go up and down steps. So I go out, walk around like there's nothing to it. She can't hardly keep up to me. We come, she put this step down in the middle of the floor. I gotta jump up on the step, or step up on the step. I didn't step up on I jumped up on She said, okay, step off. I jumped off the step. She looked at me and she said, you don't need to go to rehab. Later that afternoon, they come around, told me they're going to discharge me. And they're going to send me home. As soon as they get all the arrangements made to have therapists and everybody come in. Now think about this. God has his hands on me through this whole thing. I'm not doing any of this. He's powering me through all of it. Anyhow, they still think, once I get home, I probably won't live more than about 12 weeks. They discharged me with no restrictions. 
I couldn't go to the bathroom. I was on a catheter. They took the catheter out of me before I left. And I'm thinking, how's this going to work? <laughs> I can't go to the bathroom. I, I don't have a catheter at home. You don't need one. I still can't go to the bathroom. Tells me that they're thinking this thing ain't going to last too long. I go home, step in the door of my house, peed my pants. Most embarrassing thing I've ever done. My brother-in-law, sister, and I don't know if there's anybody else along the line. Anyhow, I'm standing there in a puddle. And uh, I mean, I'm going to the bathroom. This is a miracle again. I mean, all these miracles just keep coming and coming and coming. Uh, anyhow, long story short, I'm here today. It's almost two years. But our God's still working. He's still working on me. I was at the doctor's week before last. Uh, I went to my doctor three days after, three days? Two days. Anyhow, right after I got out. It was, uh, I got out December 18th. I told him at the hospital I was going to be home for Christmas. And he kept telling me, you're not going to be at Thanksgiving. Just forget about Christmas this year. I said, no. I knew who was watching over me. Anyhow, I got out December 18th. Uh, I go see my doctor on December 22nd. He calls me his Chris Christmas miracle. I mean... These people see these reports. They can't believe that I am there in front of them. They know that I probably ought to be dead. But God had his hands on me. So I go to my doctor a week and a half ago. And he always gives my checkup and this and that. And he always referred to me as his miracle. And uh, I said, I, I might be a miracle, but all the credit goes to God. I always give God all the credit. God heard your prayers. He answered your prayers by being gone. I mean, it was, it was a tough road. Through the whole thing, I said, there was no pain. Uh, whatsoever, just some things that I missed and didn't know. But to show you how much God still loves us, my doctor says, you know what? She said, uh, I just got another patient. I got out of the hospital last week. He went through like you did except they called his family in seven times and he walked out of the hospital. God's alive. 
Jesus still works, and the Holy Spirit is guiding us. Just kind of keep that in your mind when things aren't going so well. Lift him up, give him praise, give him honor, and give him glory. He'll not let you down. Fred, you couldn't have been any closer in that time with Dan Fowler when we were praying. I mean, that was like, that was a miracle. Yeah. <clears throat> this is a preview of what's to come. Because he's already been asked to give that testimony. And uh, I told him there's more to come. And with him standing up here, this is the first time that I've heard him give all that testimony. And you were obedient to God, and God will honor that. He will honor that. And in the midst of God moving in his health and helping him the whole way through, he helped me the whole way through, and you know that. You know, some of you don't know what happened to me, but, you know, I always say that God gave me so much joy. Well, how do you have joy in the midst of sorrow? You know, how do you do that? Well, the joy of the Lord is our strength. You know, we need to take a hold of the scriptures. We need to make them our declaration. We need to say, yes, nothing is impossible for God. And Fred even got a little coin that his um, nurse said was his. It just showed up in his room. And it's all things are possible with God. All things. Believe and you will receive. And that's the whole thing that we have to hold on to. You know, believe it and you will receive it. You know, God made you a promise. You know, hold on to that promise. I'm holding on to the promise that he will be totally healed. He will be off of kidney dialysis. That God is going to jumpstart his heart, pancreas, and kidneys. And I know and I believe that he will. And I'm believing for Edith to get off of that dialysis. Now it's been like 15 minutes off. So she's getting less, yeah. And sometimes God heals just like that. And sometimes he takes steps in healing because there's a process that he wants to do in each one of us. He brings us to the point of trusting him, relying on him and clinging to him. And a lot of times we're not doing that because we're so down and so discouraged and so upset. And so we're not focused on God, but we're focused on the situation. And God did not have Fred focused on what was going on, and he didn't have me focused on what was going on with Fred. And even that night that I got that call was amazing because, you know, the doctor was like, no, you need to let him go. You need to let him go. That's what I would do. And I'm crying out, God, what do you want? And the next thing I know, when I get off the phone with all these different ones, he calls me on the phone. <laughs> he was unconscious. <laughs> <You know? clears throat> if you can really grab a hold of that, 
you know, and he's just there talking away to me. And I said, Fred, do you understand what the doctor's saying? And he did. And you know what? Out of all that, he didn't even remember it. I kept record <laughs> every day because I journal every day. And I really encourage you to journal. To journal. Sit down and journal with the Lord. You know, I always start talking to him and then I hand things over because you know what? I can't do it all. There's no way I can do it all. And so every morning I get up. You know, sometimes we get up and we're so tired or maybe we haven't slept good the night before or we're thinking about all these things that we got to do. You know, I have my things to do list you know, and I write it all down and we're thinking about that. We just need to raise our hands and say, thank you, Lord. I love you. I love you. Just as I had that song on a, a while ago. On Psalms 91, and I talked to you about, uh, um, yeah, I read Psalms 91 to you. Tell him that you love him. Tell him how special he is to you. Because you know what? That's what he's saying to each one of us this morning. He's saying, I love you. You are special to me. You are important to me. That's what he's saying to each and every one of us. And he's saying, you're the apple of my eye. Take a hold of that. You're the apple of his eye. You are my workmanship created to do good works for me. Why are you created? For him. What is your purpose and plan? His purpose and plan for him. It's all about him. It's all about him. And I believe you got your message this morning. You got your message. And so, Father, we just thank you and praise you. Thank you, Lord, for your love, for your mercy, for your grace. You are so, so good. You're such a good Father. You are always there to protect us, to take care of us to encourage us and to give us inspiration and revelation of you. More and more of you. Oh God, we want more of you and less of us. I ask now that you would search our hearts, oh God, and know our anxious thoughts and see those wicked ways inside of us. Because as you show it to us, Lord, we can hand it over to you. And then we can know more about you and become more of a reflection of Jesus. And so I thank you that you are our rear guard to protect us, that the angel of the Lord is encamped around us, that you have pitched a tent and you are resting with us. I thank you that you've already walked our journey, that you're way ahead of us. You walked ahead of Fred. You knew what he was going to go through. And you know each one of us, you've already walked it. You've already got things in place. And I thank you, Father, that you've already got things in place for this nation, for the government, 
for all the things that are going on because you will bring out the evil. All those hidden things will be revealed. And so we thank you, Lord, that as we've accepted you into our heart, we have you. We have the kingdom of God within us. What a blessing. What a miracle to have Holy Spirit within us and to have that kingdom of God. We thank you and we praise you. And we look forward with great expectation for you to show yourself strong and speak favor upon favor, blessings upon blessings, mercy upon mercy, and grace upon grace. In Jesus' name, amen.